Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Biz Jitsu podcast, where we talk all things business and all things jujitsu. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Archie Bayakal. What's up? What's up? Uh, exci- excited about today's episode. Today, we have uh, with us Edgar Frias, who is a brown belt uh, under Jiva Santana uh, out in Tustin. Uh, Edgar is also a multi-unit uh, franchise operator. He has uh, multiple units with uh, the franchise Asai Republic. So we're here. We're here with uh, with him on that. Uh, at the same time, Edgar uh, has an awesome story. He has uh, an extensive background in uh, real estate finance. Uh, also, as a real estate investor, has been dabbling in the uh, what do you call it? Short term real estate, short term rental, rental, short term rental market, yeah. or Airbnb. Yeah, people call it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, Edgar, welcome. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, yeah. We're su- su- no, we're super excited. Uh, <laughs> super excited to have you as well. Um, so we have a lot of we got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, what I'd love to start with is just real learn um, a little bit about you and how you got started and kind of your path for uh, for entrepreneurship and, and starting your businesses. Yeah, that's a long story, man. I mean, fire away. <laughs> we got time. Let's go. Yeah, strap strap in. So um, honestly, my story has been wild. Man. Um, if I start from the very beginning in, in two thousand five. Uh, you know, I was, I was very, very fortunate. Um, uh, I guess I'm, I'm relatively young, younger, I, I guess you could say sure. I graduated high school in 2005. Uh, I got very fortunate, uh, straight out of, uh, straight out of high school. I got an opportunity to go work at, for a, uh, a broker out in Laguna beach. Um, I initially, it's funny cause I got the introduction through, uh, my mom actually, she kind of set it up. She knew, um, the CEOs and presidents, um, wife and, and she was always you know moms moms being moms right they're always sure. hyping you up my son's the greatest sure of course <laughs> that was your mom in in uh mortgage too no no so my mom my mom is an entrepreneur in her own sense dude she's uh actually now probably 10 15 years she's uh just does her own thing uh as a house cleaning service she sure. just has two or three employees she she cleans homes for, for a living um, so I, I guess it's funny because when I, th- when people ask me about entrepreneurship and like where I got it from and stuff like that, I'm like, oh man, like I never thought about it in that respect, but my mom is an entrepreneur. Sure. As, as oh, hundred well. percent. Yeah. But people don't, so a lot of people don't see it that way. I sure. didn't when I was younger, I sure. just saw my mom grinding and working hard, but I'm like, you know what, sure. she has her own business. Dude, that's so awesome. <laughs> so she introduced us. She got me, uh, kind of slicked me and got an interview. It's funny. I go meet with this guy. Uh, can I use names here? Of course. Okay. So, sure. Uh, he's actually a, a really good mentor of mine now, a really good friend. Um, his name is Stephen Williams. So I, I go to meet with Stephen Williams. He's the president and CEO of this uh, broker shop, 2005. So this is like, you know, people are going, sure, making peak, money, hand over fist. Peak of mortgage. Yeah, peak mortgage. And uh, go interview with him. And he actually told me that he didn't, he didn't have a job. I kind of like just convinced him to, you know, give me a shot. And he's like, well, the only thing I, I can have you do. And it's funny because he, he didn't want me to take a job there because he'd seen the path that people had taken. He kind of, um, he knew me and cared about me because uh, through his wife and, and, sure. and my mom would clean their home and that's, that's how they knew me. Um, and so he really wanted to encourage me to continue to, to, to stay in school and, and, and finish school and stuff like that. So he was like, I don't have a job for you. And I convinced him to give me a job. So ended up uh, calling on internet leads. And it's funny because that day, you know, I, I lived in Anaheim at the time, man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was all suited and booted. I was, I was you of know, course. I was dapper. I was like super excited. And I, I drove an hour from um, Anaheim over by like uh, Disneyland that area uh, to get to Laguna Beach. Getting to Laguna Beach is never easy. Sure. Uh, I think this was in the summer. So it was just that long way, you know, to, to get into Laguna Beach. 
So he, uh, he was trying to blow me off. It's funny because uh, years later, he told me he was trying to blow me off. So he told me to come back on Monday. He's like, I, I planned on texting over the weekend or calling you and telling you not, not to come in. Sure. And it's funny. So we have like this short interview and I'm like, hey, Steve, you know, with all due respect, I live in Anaheim. I drove here an hour. Um, why don't I start right now? Like, is there something you can, you can have me do right now? And he was like, are you like, are you, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, like, you know, like, oh, yeah. like, what can I do right now? So he's like, okay, wait, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. So he's like, I sit outside and, uh, you know, I'm waiting for like an hour. I think he was, he was trying to see if I would just leave. See if you'd go away. If I would go, <laughs> go away. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm staying anyway. So he, uh, in that time he, he comes down he's like surprised that I'm still sitting out there. And then he goes back in his office. He grabs like a script. I guess this is a script that they would use for people that would call internet lids. Sure. And he's like, uh, here, here's a script. Uh, here's, you know, here, we're, I'll email you some leads right now. And they sent me like, like really bad leads, sure. like old ones, you know, they're probably just sitting there and he's like, you know, start calling. Here's the script. And I just start calling people day one, man. I start calling people. And I think that day I got a, uh, I got a transfer. So sure. that was like golden for me. Cause oh, yeah. he's like, after the day, he's like, he's like, you know, good job. He's like, this is, this is how it works. And I think he was just impressed with, I guess my work ethic and, you know, not willing to, to leave and not take no for an answer. And that's always been me. No, so, we're, we're, not to get too sidetracked. Where, where did that like, where did that persistence or that fight, where did that come from? Um, dude, to me, like my biggest drive, honestly, has always been like doing things that people can t- uh, tell me that I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from like an immigrant family, Hispanic household, uh, my it's funny because there's a huge difference between my family and then my uh, my wife's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom has always been super hard hard on me i'm the oldest i'm not sure if any either of you are the oldest but the oldest kind of kind of gets the sure <laughs> the ground of things uh short in the stick but it's you know usually the oldest are more responsible and just kind of grow up a little bit faster uh we kind of do the same thing with my older daughter now so uh just from that my mom was never like the uh my biggest cheerleader to my face you mm-hmm. know it was always like well why did you get a b mm-hmm. or why did you only get a b or why didn't you, why didn't you do this? Or why, why am I home? And you've been home for three hours and the house is not clean. Sure. So always just like that has always driven me to, to succeed. Like if t- people tell me no, or try to close the door on, on me, it's like, oh no, I'm yeah. coming, I'm coming through this. Oh, yeah. I'm coming through this. The door's doors. open. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. The door's opening, <laughs> opening somehow. Sure. You know, so that's, that's being my biggest drive. So, yeah. That's awesome. So you started in mortgage from mortgage, um, how, how did the story of um, you becoming the first, because you're the first franchisee for Asahi Republic, correct? Yes. How, how did that How did that whole transition start? So 2005, um, you started doing mortgages. There's probably a rough patch in there with 2008. Yeah. Fast forward, you stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And then Asahi Republic happened. How, how did, what was the storyline with that? Correct. So, you know, I did uh, the real estate thing for a long time, stuck it through the, uh, the hard times. Um, and then, you know, things come back. Um, I think in, so I, I landed at Total MMA Studios in 2005, I'm sorry, 2011 ish through a friend. He knew I was like doing like the workout gym thing and he invited mm-hmm. me to, he was already training there. Um, and he invited me in and I started, that's when I first started training martial arts. My first experience with martial arts. I went and how in, old were you by this time? At that time I was in, so that was in 2010. So I don't know, like, 23 24 so early, early 20s okay. when i started training martial arts uh so anyways so i go to the gym start training that was my first experience with martial arts I, I went in for a cardio kickboxing class and you know fast forward 
over 10 years later, I'm still training. <laughs> I'm still training. I'm still that's training it. consistently, but that's where I met, um, the CEO and, and the founder and the, the business partners for outside Republic. I met them there. They actually owned that gym. So I fought mm-hmm. for them for a while, yep. uh, when I was fighting and I, I did begin jujitsu under them. That's how I met them. And I start. I went from, I saw them go through all the struggles of building this business to, um, you know, two, three, four years later, like, I'm like, oh man, this is like, like, like good, good business. You know, they've mm-hmm. really made some good changes here and they're always looking forward and always improving. Uh, so at the same time that I had the real estate thing going on, I was like, well, this is not going to last forever. Like the, the real estate, you know, things are really good. And I've always had an interest in, in business and doing kind of doing other things instead of just being all, always in, you know, eggs in the same basket. Yep. So I reached out to one of them, the partners at that time. And it's funny because before we started, we we're talking about this, just, um, being humble enough to reach out to, to people and and invite them out to coffee or lunch and just pick their brain for a minute. Um, and we had a great conversation just, you know, we were catching up. I had, uh, this other partner, um, I had seen him in our circles, like training and his, just what attracted to me, it was like his lifestyle. He was, you know, had his kids doing private lessons and he was doing private lessons, you know, training. And then I knew he was a successful business owner. So I was kind of looked up to him as anyway. So I took him to lunch, we chatted and I, at that point I threw my hat in the ring. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in, um, Asa Republic. You know, I, I got all these other things going on. We both had a real estate background. He was also a successful real estate person and another uh, successful, you know, in other ventures. I'm like, but you know, I see you guys got this going on. Um, have you guys ever thought about franchising? And at the time he was like, Hey, you know what? We actually haven't thought about that. You know, we're just so focused on growing this business and making it as good as it is that we haven't thought about that. And he, um, I thought he'd blown me off. So at that time he was like, you know, we kind of just left things as, as is fast forward a year later, he reaches out to me and he's like, Hey, are you, are you still interested in, in opening an outside Republic location? Um, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, and th- you know, that's, that's how I started. That, that's so that's fascinating. So I come from the franchising world. Um, so outside Republic was just a brick and mortar. They're proving the concept. They're doing that whole thing. They didn't even have franchising as part of their plan at the time no so from what i understand from him that wasn't something they had planned yet they you know they wanted they knew they wanted to open multiple Multiple locations locations after this you know the first successful location um i think may at that time i don't remember if they had their second um own corporate location open yet or not but i don't think they had considered yet hey i'm you know we're going to go down this this franchise road but I know a lot of people had approached them about it. Um, you know, like I said, it's, they started doing really well. Uh, they have a great leadership team. They're always like looking forward. They're always trying to improve. Uh, we have this internal model, which uh, it's not ours. You know, we still took some, but it's like, sure. uh, you know, 1% better daily. And everyone that's at in leadership, like lives that model. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally, you know, always improving, reading books, you know, working out, doing jujitsu, just, you know, the, the grind of improving yourself daily. So, you know, I believe that in that a lot of people did. And, but yeah, to answer your question at, at the time, I don't think they had considered it yet, but, um, like I said, I, I wanted to try and plant that seed. Wow. So that's fascinating. So a year later, you open up your first one, what year is this? So I signed the franchise agreement in 2017 when we decided, okay, we're gonna go down this road. Um, we started looking for a location, but I opened my doors in, um, here in Corona, the, the first franchise location, uh, January of 2018. January 2018. So that was first of a uh, franchise location. How many locations are open now? So right now, as as a company, there is uh, 20 
open locations. 20 open locations. Yeah. And then you currently have um, two locations. So I currently have two open locations. Yes. Got it. And you still, so what, what are the, what are the development plans for you? Uh, as far as development, um, you know, I dove in with no, no experience in, in operating a, a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and although this is like acai smoothie, it's, it's still a restaurant at, sure, the, of course. at the end of the day. Um, and there was a huge learning curve there, you know, multiple, multiple failures. And it's, it's funny, we'll get into this, but I always relate all that to jujitsu and, and martial arts training. Um, so in the beginning it was, it was rough. And then <clears throat> after a while I was like, okay, I, th- I think I got this. Like I, I've, I've figured it out. I saw, you know, all the things that I learned and how to operate the restaurant. And then I opened my, the second one in 2021. And this mm-hmm. is almost still peak COVID, I guess. Sure. Um, and then now I think at the end of last year, I was like, Hey, I, I really got this. Like I've, I've figured this out. My, like my KPIs look good. Uh, like I'm operating this, the, this efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Like what, what do I need to do? And my vision's always uh, more. Uh, a lot of people sure. say more isn't always better, but. And in some cases it is. And when you can do that in, in a controlled fashion that makes sense for you, sure, you know, why not? Um, and, you know, I think, you know, at, at this point I'm like, okay, like more is better. And so I'm actually um, in the, in the process of opening a third location, actually just about to execute a lease. And the, the third location is where? In Crone uh, That will be in Pomona. So right Pomona, next to okay. Cal Poly Pomona. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, oh, so sweet. I, I like to go into kind of untapped uh, markets, which is what I did uh, here with Corona. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, I was the first, not only was I the first franchise location, but um, the first location in the IE. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently the only actual locations in the, in the IE. So I like to go into kind of untapped markets where, I've, where I, I see there isn't like a lot of competition and really bring our motto, our lifestyle to, to those communities. That's fantastic. Um, so I got a, I got a series of things. Archie. Ar- yeah, Archie, I got Archie's, Archie's been sitting here. Man, I'm like, <laughs> nah, I got to ask him something. <laughs> I have a couple of things, but Archie, Archie, I'll turn it over to you. Um, so, man, you got you got these multiple locations. You have a family. Man, how do you effectively manage your time and attention between, you know, wearing all the hats, being at the locations, being there for your family, and even having time to train as well. Is there any specifics you can share that, um, you know, what you utilize to manage your time? Um, so honestly, it's just effective time management. Um, it's funny cause I hate when someone, you talk about all the things that I do. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I, I hate one of the, like the least favorite things I, I, it's just a pet peeve of mine when someone says I don't have time. It's like, Oh yeah. really? You don't, you don't have time. I'm sorry. Um, how much time do you spend on Instagram? How much time do you spend on, you know, watching Netflix? You know, so it's maybe not necessarily you don't have time. It's maybe it's not a priority for you, for you yet. So um, I would say effective time management. Um, I'm also really good. Um, and I learned this from, you know, doing real estate and, you know, doing other things that I do is I, I'm really good at um, just doing things ef- effectively and just being super, super just, hundred percent focus. And that's also funny, something that I learned from, from being on the mats, uh, because being on the mats, right. If, if, uh, you're on the mats, you can't be, be thinking about anything sure. else, right. If you're thinking about your wife, your kids, you know, next you thing you know, you're being, you're being, <laughs> you're being choked, choked out. Right. So it's just that yeah. ultra focus. So I got really good at doing that, you know, for everything that I do. So, um, time management, the way that I schedule things. And when I do things, I'm not doing all of those things at once. Like, let's just say if I, 
um, in the, usually in the mornings, like I'll dedicate a couple hours to, um, to real estate, like checking my emails and following up on, on loans that I have. It's like those two hours, that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing, I'm not doing anything else. What time do you usually start? So, um, my day or start working, start your day. Um, so I usually, I'm, I'm not like a super early. I'm not, you know, David Goggins, like 4am. Sure. <laughs> um, so usually like six o'clock, five or six, five, like five 30, I'm already like, up, but like, I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm up in, in, in the house doing things like 6am. Um, when I start my day, you know, I'm sure you know, this being, being, having family and stuff like that. Uh, I have young kids, so sometimes you need that just to have kind of some quiet time. Sure. So I usually start my day at 6am, get up, you know, get everything going. Um, do, do the workout thing, do the quiet time, you know, do the coffee. Um, and s- sometimes before my family gets up, I'll dabble a little bit in, in working, like check emails and do some stuff like that. And then in the morning is like dedicated family time for me. So usually between like seven 30 to like eight 30 or, or nine, it's like, okay, those hour and a half, two hours, my kids are up, we're getting them ready for school. We're having breakfast together. And does you know have some dedicated family time where like I just leave my phone in my office and you know I'm doing family time. But usually you know six a.m. I would say is a sweet spot for me. Got it. And then from there, so nine a.m. starts. That's okay. Hey, the real estate deal is kind of um, done and addressed. Family time's addressed. Workouts done. Nine o'clock starts. Then what? So uh, usually like nine a.m. Like I'll dive into like the stores. Like what I need for the doors and. But it's keep in mind, like I already have a list of things that I wrote down I need to get accomplished like the day before. So usually sure. uh, before the day ends, I already have a list of these are the things that I need to get done and backtrack a little bit during my quiet time before my like actual like 9 a.m. time, like as I'm checking emails and stuff like being an entrepreneur, you know, being in real estate. Uh, you always have fires to put out. So some fires may have been added to the, to that list, sure. uh, which are usually like what I'll do first, like they'll if they're really important. Like I usually try and stack the things that I need to get done like first. Uh, so those are the things I'll, I'll jump on immediately at like 9am. Like, okay, like I need to get these things done. I need to call this person. I need to get this done. Um, but that's typically how my, my day starts at 9am. Uh, my list, you know, going to the list and if things that are a higher priority got added to the list before I started working, then, you know, I jump on those things first. So one of the things I admire about you is you know, you, you get all these things done on top of that consistent on the mat, but you couple consistency on the mat with, you also compete quite a bit, <laughs> which, I mean, that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. So, so talk, talk about that. So you, so that's kind of the, how you get the day started mm-hmm. and how you address some of the priorities, your fitness, your personal time, your family, mm-hmm. your real estate. I'm sure in there there's, you know, store visits and different things like that. Yep. How do you, how do you prioritize time with your training when you're not competing? And then how does that change when you are competing? So that's a great question. <laughs> so uh, training jujitsu is, is a high, high, my priority list. It's funny. It's like you look at my Instagram, it says like family business jujitsu, because literally that's, those are my priorities. And, and it's in that, in that order. Um, <clears throat> So usually I train, uh, around midday and like training is, a is a must for me. Like it's something that I, I can't not do. So usually if I'm just like right, right now, I don't have any competition signed up. Um, I'm not signed up to, I'm just casually, casually training, but casually training for me is I'm training at least five days a week. Like okay. I'm on the mats, train five days a week. 
Um, I train with a really strong group of guys. We call it the, the noon grinders class. Um, and I'll, we'll j- jump into why, why that's the grinders class um, a little bit later on. Um, but I do that, you know, five days a week consistently. I'm there at the mat on noon, sometimes, you know, a little bit late, you know, Mr. Warm for some reason, something sure. happened. Um, but I'm there, you know, five days a week. I, I, I have a commitment to show up not only to myself, but to my training partners, uh, because uh, not o- that class is where like a lot of our competitors will train. So even if, if I feel worn down or I have things to do, not only for myself, but for my team, I'm like, okay, I, I got to show up. Like I, I got to be there. Mm. Like, um, you know, it has to be some type of emergency where I won't show up. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, doing that consistently allows me to do everything else that I do. Um, if it wasn't for training jujitsu consistently, I wouldn't be able to do everything else that I do. It's funny because my wife is one of my biggest, um, motivators and she motivates me to train because she's seen me for short periods when i don't train mm. uh, because of injuries and stuff like that and she just she does not like it she's like tries to get me back <laughs> she tries to get me back to train as, as quickly as possible uh just as she's a you know i'm a nightmare to deal with so you know we talked about clarity earlier those those two hours on the mat so there's a couple of reasons that i train um at noon uh, well it's a grinders class you know everyone that trains there is, is i don't care from white belt to to you know fifth degree black belt like my professor there's no easy roles. Um, and that, that class, uh, at some point I, I figured out, okay, the people that come to this class, um, uh, it's, it's funny. It's a good, a good way to network as well, because they've done well enough in their life where they can afford to take two hours mm-hmm. uh, off in the middle of the day, you know, sure. whether they're entrepreneurs themselves or they have, they have their own business or just like they're in a high enough position at, at their, at their job where they're allowed to take two hours off in, in the middle of the day to go, to go grind. Um, so for that reason, then for me, it's a big reset, you know, usually by like noon, there's been like so many things that I've had to deal with where I'm like, okay, like I, I need this reset. And what I encounter on the mats for those two hours usually winds up being way more difficult than what I did the, the rest of the day or what I have going on the rest of the day. When I'm like, after that, I'm like, oh, the rest of my day is going to be cake after this, after having to deal with these, (laughs) after having to deal with these guys. So it's, it's a big reset for me. And that's why I do it at that time. So how does that change? Does the volume change? Does the intensity change? What changes when you are competing? So when I'm competing, uh, which is very consistently. How uh, many competitions do you do annually? Annually? Um, usually around eight to 10 annually. Like um, I received my brown belt September of last year and I was counting them up. And since then, I think I've already competed 10 times as, as a brown belt. As a brown belt. Maybe, maybe more. Uh, as a brown belt, so I can be very consistently and it, the way that it changes is, uh, volume, but also the mindset of, of training. You know, when, when you have a competition coming up, your mindset is completely different right now. I'm having fun, man. Like it, it's a grind, but I'm in there and I'm like, I can try different things, um, and not have to be, not have to be so worried about winning every single round, every single role, because I'm just, I'm training for fun. I'm training to get better just like always. But when you have a competition come up, that's an added stress for me because I'm like, okay, not only do I have all everything else going on in my life, but I need to get in X amount of time, X amount of hours, X amount of roles per week, um, and I need to win. Like every single round, I need to be accomplish what I wanted to accomplish during that round. So it is an added stress. So usually when I'm going to compete, I train six days a week. Um, I try to lift consistently at least two or three days a week. And during those six days a week, sometimes there'll be two a days, like at least two or three days a week where I'll, I'll go train twice. I'll go train at noon and then I'll do like an evening classes as well. So the volume goes up a lot 
but just the mindset, the mind um, set shift. So do you do strength and conditioning uh, like with a team? Do you have a train, someone trains you or do you do it yourself or what, what does that look like? Um, in the past, I have done it with like trainers and stuff like that. Uh, right now, just during COVID, I built out a gym in my garage. So I just do it on my own in, in my garage, um, like two or three days a week. And that's usually like the, the early, either the early morning grind um, or in the evenings. Um, right now, my wife is pregnant, so she's not training with me anymore. But when she, when she's fully healthy and, and functional, it's something that we do together um, as like a healthy habit. Well, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not I'm not perfect. Right. Like I like to to watch the Netflix special or see what everyone is talking about, but we try and combine healthy habits. So when we're both 100%, uh, after we put the kids down and stuff like that, uh, we like to stack these healthy habits. So it's like, okay, we're going to do something that's like, maybe watch something that's just kind of let's, let's just shut down our brain, like watch something on Netflix. Uh, but we're going to combine that with doing something healthy. So we'll actually, after we put the kids down, we'll actually both get into the garage together and, and grind it out two or three days a week. Um, and that allows us like not only to get some time, you know, alone, just me and her without the kids, but also we're doing something healthy and then we're doing something unhealthy as well. Like maybe watching some silly show on, on Netflix. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. To- totally, totally get it. Um, so you, you use the word mindset a couple of times, um, and I'm sure just being able to do all of these things and transition from one to the next, uh, or one, one project to the next or one business to the next or one training session to the next, um, one thing you have the ability to obviously manage your time, uh, but from a, a mindset standpoint, is there anything that you have done, read a book or listened to a podcast or meditate or anything that you do that helps kind of reset that, that mindset? Yeah. So, you know, everyone has their ups and ups and downs. Like I, I believe in doing these things uh, consistently, whether it's exercising your body, also exercising your mind. Um, and I have found myself in ruts where like, okay, maybe I haven't been reading as consistently or listening to podcasts. And I will kind of find myself in like a little like a, of a rut where I'm not as motivated. Uh, but then I'll jump back into it, jump back into it and do like all these healthy things that I do all the time consistently. And I'm like, I'll get that reset. So yeah, I, I read a lot. Um, I listen to podcasts a lot. I listen to audiobooks a lot. Uh, I cannot stress enough, like how important that is for people that maybe want to just improve their own life or be an entrepreneur or for business, for family. I mean, obviously you can pick up a book, uh, for anything. Um, or even if it's to simplify it as, as Ely's like, maybe let's, you just want to become a, a better speaker. Like sure. you just want to learn how to speak more effectively, more efficiently and, and, and speak well, pick up a book, man, like re- read some books, listen to audiobooks, listen to how other successful, well-spoken people speak. And then you can try and emulate that. So yeah, I believe in that 1000%. You always have to be doing something uh, to improve yourself mentally. And that's got to be reading, you know, listening to podcasts, audiobooks. I do that all the time. So where did that, where did that personal development path start from? Was that in your mortgage or was that when you started working with the team at uh, Acai Republic? Where did that, that hunger for personal development, where's that from? Um, you know, I think it, it, luckily for me, it came from, from real estate. When I started very early, like no one really pushed that. But as you start to go up the chain and as I started working for big like retail banks and, you know, kind of running up the, the ladder, uh, they do talk about self-improvement. Um, I've always been uh, a reader. I, I've always enjoyed reading and, and words. But it start, I would say it really started where I was consciously trying to improve myself um, through my real estate bracket, background. And then luckily for me and 
I brought that over to when I started with Asai, but not only did I, did I bring it over, but I saw like in the leadership group, like, man, all these guys do this as well. So there's, there's, you see that right in people that you surround yourself with or choose to surround yourself with. Like there's these key things that everyone does that is successful. And I would say like reading and self-improvement is a big one. So uh, I agree. I'm, I'm a big believer in self-improvement and just gradually taking in more and more information. Right? I think through that, you know, I've seen the benefit of it. I also see, you know, people like yourself that are uh, utilize that as just part of their day-to-day life to help continue to improve and continue to make, um, make moves. If you can make a recommendation of the top, let's call it three books, what would, what would be the top, top three? <laughs> what's, what's on Edgar's, Edgar's top three? Uh, so I would tell you like a, a, a book that I always recommend to people to friends, um, and stuff like that. My friends know this, uh, that I luckily read at, at an early age. I, I just stumbled on, it. I don't even remember who like recommended it to me, uh, was the richest man in Babylon. Mm. Um, that's a really good one. It just changed my mindset on, on money and like the, the way that it works and how I thought about money. Um, honestly, like if I just pull like all other books off the table, cause I don't, I don't want to like. I've read all the ones that everyone says on, on a podcast, but for me, like that was the top one. They like just made such an impact in my life. Where I'm like, like, wait a minute, like that totally makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. why am I not thinking about money? And it's funny because I didn't really get serious about reading and self-improvement until I was already making some, some money. I was doing all, all right for myself. Sure. Uh, but I was, you know, I was young. I was like blowing money. I wasn't really doing what I should be doing with the sure. money I was making. But then I read this book and I was like, wait, like, why, why am I not doing this? Or like, what is my long-term plan here? Um, you know, just to have like all these nice things, have like a nice truck, stuff like that. Or like, you know, and that just shifted my, my mind about the way that I thought about sure. uh, money. So honestly, without going, unless you really want me to dive into the other, the other two, but I would say that's the top one for me where it just changed my life. Like where the way I thought about things. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Archie, what do you got? Um, Archie's itching uh, over here. Yeah. Personal development side. Um, have you ever utilized or hired any type of coaching, business coaching, mentorship or something like that? Um, I haven't hired anyone, you know, where I had to, to, to pay someone. I have looked into it. Honestly, like even as recently, I think as like six months ago, I, you know, I'm always looking to improve myself. I'm, I'm always trying to see you know, where I can improve and what I can be doing better. I'm fortunate enough where like within my own circle, I have people that I see as mentors or just like, you know, people that I can lean on for advice. I have some really good friends. The, the gentleman that I mentioned, uh, Stephen Williams, he was like top of the list in terms of mentors for me. I, to this day, I speak to him at least, you know, once a week, uh, any huge financial decisions or any things that I'm like going on, like I always run by him. And then, but I'm very fortunate where I have a few friends like that, where I can lean on and, you know, it's, it's my inner circle. I'm like, Hey man, like I'm thinking about doing this or like, this is what I got, what got going on. Like what, what are your thoughts? I just like to hear their feedback and their feedback is always really positive, but in terms of like pain, uh, for someone, I have looked into that as well. And funny story. Once again, like I'm super humble and I'm not saying that I, I couldn't improve from that. And I fully believe in it. Uh, cause I have done it. So for business specifically, I looked into it like six months ago when I started looking to like very seriously. And I reached out to a couple of people and we had like that initial conversation. Uh, but my, my focus at that time was like, I want to be better at operating the, the, the stores, mm-hmm. uh, how to run those businesses. And we went over everything. And it's funny. It's like the guy actually, the, the two guys told me you're actually already doing like 
what like in our initial conversation within the first 10 minutes, he's like, you already know all this information that I asked most business owners and they have like no idea. Sure. And it's really cool because the guy was actually super honest and not trying to sell me on anything. And he was, you know, really honest dude. And he was cool. He's like, I, I don't see anything that I could help you with that you're not already doing yourself. Keep doing what you're, keep doing what you're, what you're doing. But I've, um, on the other end for, for jujitsu, I, cause funny, cause we we're talking about training before we started. Mm -hmm. I have sought out like personal training and stuff like that. And that's where I've seen the biggest leaps and strides in terms of improvement. So I believe in doing that 1000%. Uh, for me, it just happened to not work out for personally for, for business, but I've done it, uh, significantly and consistently for jujitsu privates you mean privates doing private yeah. courses uh private classes mm -hmm. and that's where i saw the biggest improvements in my jujitsu game so yeah i i do believe that i do believe if you if you can afford to to do that or if you can find someone that's willing to kind of take you underneath their wing and, and mentor you or give you advice like one thousand percent you should take that like why why wouldn't you you know like it's it can only lead to 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 good things now, who, right. when you do your privates, do you do it with your professor? Do you do it with several people? Or like, what's your routine with, with training privately? So it usually depends on, uh, uh, he, he's a good friend of mine now, but where I did it very consistently was uh, during COVID uh, with my professor, Kai Kaitano. Uh, I was doing privates with, with him a lot. Um, because at that time, everything was shutting down. It's funny because I was on, I had been a blue belt forever. And I had dived back into jujitsu and I, I was like on the verge of what I thought getting my purple belt, but then COVID happened. And I'm like, once again, going back to like not taking no for an answer. I'm like, man, I need to figure this out. Like, I'm not going to be a blue belt for like another two years. Like if, even if everyone else is closed down or anything, I need to figure out like a way to keep training consistently and improving while maybe other people are taking a break and I'm going to be ready to go when things reopen. So it's funny. I reached out to one of my other good friends, uh, Wellington, and he and he introduced me. I already knew uh, my professor Kyle Caetano. He uh, more from Brazil, and he was training at our, at our gym. But I didn't know him as well as I knew my other professor Wellington. And he kind of made the connection, and he's like, "Hey, this is what's going on with him, and I think you guys can help each other out." Uh, and we did, and that was like where he's been one of my most consistent um, in terms of like coaches and professors that I seek out to do courses with, um, privately. And he does that. Uh, the, my other professors do it as well. I'm very fortunate to, I've been the Academy that I'm at. They're very helpful. And I'm always the guy asking questions after class sure. and they're usually about half guard. So like everyone knows what I'm going to ask. Uh, but they're, you know, my other two professors, uh, Wellington Modena and Jiva Santana, they're very helpful, like during our two hour class. But then as far as like private training, just because our schedules and like how busy we're all are, it usually works out where I do more private uh, courses with uh, Kyle Caetano and he's kind of been more regularly my, like, the person that I do privates with. Got it. And then when you, so when you do privates, do you, do you structure them in a specific position? Is it something that you, if you're running into an issue one week, you go to um, your, uh, your professor to, work through those details? Or are you guys working through something specific over an extended period of time? What does that training usually look like? So um, it depends on what's going on, right? Like if, if I'm prepping for a competition, then it's competition a specific training where we're uh, preparing for that competition and we're working on things that maybe he sees in, in my game where I need to improve or I'll even say, hey, like I'm struggling here to finish the sweep or do this. And 
uh, details always matter and they, you know, doing jujitsu as long as they do, or as someone has done business, like these people have gone through that and they know the details and that's the importance of seeking out private training, whether it's for jujitsu or, or business. Um, so usually it'll work like that, where if we have competition coming up, then we're uh, training specifically for that competition. Uh, but it doesn't stop after we, after the competition is done. Like I learned the most from competitions where I fail or don't, don't get gold. And then that's where like, I'll really dive in. It's like, okay, Hey, like this is what I tried during the competition. Uh, these are positions that I lost or maybe where I could have done something a little bit differently. And those are the, the areas where we see the most improvement and we'll really like just dive in to those things. And he'll see those things because he'll, he'll usually be there to coach me during my, during my competitions. And he'll say, Hey, like you could have done this differently, but those are my favorites. Honestly, like the, the time after I fail in competition or maybe don't get gold. And when we, you know, after that is when I improve the most. Mm. So uh, I'm, I'm going to transition here that, to kind of just build on that. This is one of the questions I had. So you've, dabbled and been in a lot of or i shouldn't say dabbled you've you've um opened multiple businesses yeah <laughs> um and essentially it starts with just kind of dabbling right so hey you started in yeah mortgage real estate okay hey i'm gonna take a stab at this outside republic thing let's see where this thing goes yeah. and you know you took that you're doing um the short-term rental market uh so when you go through all that what's been your biggest challenge as you've gone through you know, um, opening businesses, what, what, what's been some of the biggest, um, disappointments or challenges that you've, that you faced? Um, so I would say some of the biggest challenges are sometimes, are you talking about like external challenges or, or internal? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so as far as external, like a lot of the biggest challenges that I face typically is, is, uh, dealing with other, other people, specifically government, government and and city stuff like that. Mm. Um, I'd never dealt with that before. Uh, I have never tried to pull like a permit on my house or anything like that. Mm. And then I encountered that with opening a new business, like a, like a retail business and just going, th- going through that and learning as I went, once again, I had no experience and I had people to a lot, luckily I had people, they were willing to give me a, a, advice. Um, the CEO and other people, you know, on the Oscar public side, they're very helpful, but at the end of the day, I wanted to do it myself. Um, you know, I wanted to be out there going to the city and finding out how to do this permit, how to open an LLC, you know, all these things that you have to do when you're opening a, a business. So I would say dealing with other, like other external factors, such as government offices has been one of my biggest challenges. Um, contractors, you know, contractors are extremely difficult to, to deal with. Like during our build out phases, that's one of the biggest issues is, and I don't, I dealt with that more my first location my first location, I, I was, I was still fully engulfed in doing real estate where I didn't have time to do a build out on my own. So I hired someone to, to do it. And, uh, you know, they did a great job, but I was just so stressed out on opening this location and I was relying on someone else, right. Mm-hmm. To, to do that. And I hate having to rely on other people because not everyone operates the same as you or me or, or Archie, you know, we own, have our own drive determination. Like I always do things like, like I, I want them now. And like, I do things uh, now and not everyone is like that people, especially like contractors are, you know, maybe you're on the back burner while they're juggling two or three other jobs. So that was my biggest struggles, I would say. And also, um, you know, I would say like as a leader, even even recently, like one of my biggest challenges has been just acknowledging and knowing that like not once again, not everyone is, is, is like me, like not everyone goes on the same pace that I do. Um, 
you know, works on the same pace that I do, or is maybe as, as driven or as effective, or maybe has like our goals are as aligned where they want the thing done that I want done as quickly as, as I do. So just having patience, you know, for other, other people. And it's funny cause I, this is something that I see consistently amongst all my other friends that are uh, successful is just having patience for people and just knowing that it, once you get, and I'm not saying like, I, you know, I'm just getting, I feel like I'm just getting started in terms of my quote unquote success. Like I, I don't feel like I'm a successful. Like I always see like the, every day is a new challenge for me, Sure, but I see like when I speak to some of my friends that are also entrepreneurs is like, you know, having patience and, and knowing one of my friends said this, that where you're kind of an anomaly, right? Like most people are just going to show up and clock in, you know, nine to five. And that's what they want with their life. Entrepreneurs, you know, especially successful ones, you're an anomaly. Not everyone's going to operate at the same level that you do. So you have learning to have patience for that has been one of my biggest struggles. Mm. Yeah. That's a, uh, that, that patience piece is, is definitely a factor. Now you were talking earlier uh, before we jumped on about, um, you know, your passion for uh, developing leaders and exporting talent and just, you know, being able to bring people along, talk to us about that process. How's that, how's that coming along on your end? Yeah. So that's, you know, something um, new and it's, it's a new passion for me. I would say relatively new. Once I started opening the stores where I'm like, Hey, like I like to see my, uh, and it's funny cause I'll have these conversations with my, just my, my team, my supervisors, uh, my store managers, like, Hey, I don't want to work. I don't want you to work here for five, 10 years. Like this is like a two or three year thing. I want you to develop and, you know, I'm going to be your big supporter. Like if, and when you're, you're ready to move on to some, something bigger. So that's been a huge passion of mine. Um, and, it, and it's deeply rewarding. You know, when you work with someone, you help develop someone, you try and pass on things to them and help them learn. And then, you know, when they're ready to move on or ready for that next step, they're, they're thankful for that. Um, once again, I I've been very fortunate where I've had people, you know, they were willing to mentor me and willing to give me advice. So I just want to, you know, keep going on. And it's one of the most rewarding things that I've encountered is just helping people, developing them. And it's a huge um, passion for me now where it's like, okay, like I want to see my managers succeed, you know, maybe even open their own store someday or open up their own business. Um, it's funny because I had a, an assistant manager reach out to me about four months ago now and she reached out to me. Hey, like I, she worked for me, I think for like a year, she was really cool. We had a, a really good relationship and, uh, she's like, Hey, I took the entrepreneurship jump. Like me and my, uh, me and my boyfriend, we opened up this, uh, coffee cart and where now we're doing private. I'm like, man, like that is so, so cool. Awesome. Like that is so awesome. And she was like, she was so thankful for me. She's like, you know, what I learned from you and just seeing like what you do, like motivated me to, to take the leap, you know, and now, now we're doing this. And I'm the biggest supporter of that. I'm like, man, like, what's your Instagram? I want to follow you. I gave her, I gave her like a shout out on Instagram and she was like, you know, she was so thankful for that. So that's, that's been a huge passion for me. Like I like to build people up, develop people and see them succeed. Like that's really cool. And it's really rewarding for me. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I think what's interesting too, especially as you continue your expanding your portfolio, there's probably an opportunity, you know, for them to, again, potentially partner and, or, or take on more responsibility, area manager, regional trainer, those kinds of things, just to be able to continue to support your business as they continue to grow and, and develop their own career. That's a, that's, that's super cool, man. Yeah. Archie, yeah, what man, do you got? I, I love the abundant mindset that, that you have, Edgar. Um, I wanted to ask, I had something else I want to ask, trying to switch gears here. Um, so 
you have multiple locations. Um, talk to us about how you choose these locations because I was stalking on your Instagram a little bit. <laughs> you uh, about talked right. about <laughs> the city hall. You just recently went to a city hall to, to find your, your next location. Um, talk to us about that and any advice you can give someone that, you know, maybe is going to open up a chiropractic office later. <laughs> how they can find a location <laughs> yeah yeah man absolutely so um you know finding locations tough and you it's funny because this time around i, I told myself hey i, I want to try and document as much of this journey as i can because i think it'll be helpful to other people you know whether it's like going to the city i've been taking little snippets and like you know like the other day i was um opening like a new business bank account for this new llc uh, for this new business so i want to try and document that this time around but you know, finding location stuff, you know, for us personally, there's uh, very specific parameters that we've found work for us. Um, we're in a transition right now where like, um, I mean, I'll, I'll just get out, I'll just throw it out there. Like I target other businesses that were uh, a similar business before because you asked me about the challenges. I've seen some of these challenges that people go through of doing like a full build out or like, you know, and then you have to get all these permits and licenses to do the to completely change, or maybe it started as a blank slate and then you're trying to build into something else, man, that's going to drain you. Like not only mentally, physically, but it could meant, could, you know, drain your pocket as, as well, you know, cause you're relying on, on someone that's at a city office that, that really doesn't care how long, how long it takes for you to open your business. They don't care. So one of the things that I personally look for in opening a location is like, I look, I target uh, businesses that were something similar before. So right now, um, I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but there's like a lot of uh, subways. Um, hopefully, I'm able to say this that sure. you know, subway. It's, you know, they had their challenges just like any other business. Um, they're just now starting to make some some lateral moves, and you see some of their locations still doing well, and they they've upgraded. But I mean, but some of the locations that we're going in and we're viewing, or I'm going out to see, is like okay, I know why you closed down. Yeah, distressing it. Sure. Because you're 15 to 20 years old and you haven't, you haven't, it doesn't look like you've remodeled this place in, since you opened. You know, you still got like this ugly tile everywhere and it's just like, you don't have new signs and it just feels antiquated here. I don't feel like buying food from here. Um, so I specifically target businesses that were some, some, something similar before, whether it was like a yogurt shop or Subway coffee shop. So I've learned that the process of switching it over to um, my business is a lot easier because um, really we're just kind of changing ownership over, especially if it was like an ice cream shop or something before, like I'm just switching it over to my, my, my name. And we also try and keep that controlled, like during our build out phase, when I go into a location, I'm like, okay, like I don't really need to do any structural changes where it's going to require me to, to get any, uh, additional licenses or, or anything like that. Like I'm just going to, it's going to be cosmetic where I don't need to get any permits and deal with all that. So, um, I've been able to open one of my locations actually opened it in three weeks. And the one before that, I think the very first one took less than two months because that was also like a similar business. So once again, like you, as you go and, and you're, you're growing, you kind of figure out like, okay, what's a template for success here? Like, how can I do this effectively and what works? So that's what I look for. Um, also like untapped markets, um, you know, uh, with the retail business, such as, uh, you know, outside Republic, you're, you're trying to get, you know, walk-in traffic. So this, location in particular was appealing because of uh, Cal Poly Pomona, the, the university had been being really close to it. Um, so these are all things you have to consider. Um, and just trying to gather like as much information as you can, 
before signing that lease. Like try and get as much information as you can. It's funny because I think I talked about that in, in the video. Like that day, I think I was actually, when I posted on my Instagram, I was just visiting this location just to, to look at it. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm already out here. I'm going to go to City Hall and try and find out as much as I can about this location. Um, even, this was even before an LOI. So an LOI, you know, a letter of intent, even mm -hmm. before I put that together, I was like, hey, I, I want to know more about this location. I'm going to go to City Hall, just ask them a few questions. Like, how long has this place been closed? And when I was there, and I put this in the video, because one of the things I was concerned about being in Southern California, concerned about the HVAC system. So, and you don't know, like, unless you get on the roof, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I, I need to hire someone to do that, you know, right? I'm not a professional. I'm not an HVAC person, like how old the HVAC unit is. But when I went to the city and, you know, I was just having a casual conversation with them about permit stuff, like, um, I asked them about any recent permits or changes and they said that, you know, they told me, oh, well, there was a permit pulled two years ago to replace the HVAC system. And it looks like the HVAC system was replaced two years ago. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm like, so even though in my negotiations, I'm going to, I'm going to push for warranty on the HVAC system, just because being me, being me, I want to try and get someone else to cover it. I don't have to grind that card. You know, like I can maybe give a little bit leeway there because I don't, Knock on wood, I don't think anything is going to go wrong with the HVAC system because it's, it's only two years old. It's, sure. it's, it's, it's new. So just gather as much information as you can about the location. Uh, visit it several times during different times of the day. You know, if you're going to be relying on foot traffic, see, you know, parking is huge. Um, you know, being in Southern California, you know, it's, it's really hot. People want to park close to the businesses that they're going in, into. If you have to, you know, get into your car to go to that location, if you're at another, at another business, um, like what's very common here in Corona, like mm -hmm. if you go to some of the shopping centers like that's what i tried to avoid when i came to corona it's like okay like what like i should my wife should if she's at target mm -hmm. and wants to go to you know get my kids a smoothie she shouldn't have to get into my her car to do that right um and that's one of the things like i look i keep in mind so just you know information and like things you wouldn't think about and it's funny because having a family like i'm like looking at your target demographic it's like okay who's gonna become my business like what how can I make it easier? Like you try and eliminate those resistance points for your potential customer to get to your business. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes sense. sense. Yeah. 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 I smile big cause I went to Cal Poly Pomona. Oh, nice man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. What was that? Are you yeah. guys Mustangs? Mustangs? Is that right? Uh, Broncos. 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 <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of potential. So locations. So, what's the next step? Is there marketing and promotions going on now or how, how, what's that process like, or is that in the works right now for locations? It's like to, if you're opening a, a new location specifically. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there, there's, there's a build out phase, right? You gotta, you gotta build your location for, for your new business. Mm -hmm. you've, you've found it, you've done all the research that you can, to, if you're going to have a retail location. I have one question about that. So yours, part of your strategy is you find a formerly distressed unit, already built out uh, that operates as a restaurant, helps speed up permits, helps speed up build out. What do you think, or what would you estimate the reduction in build out costs versus someone going in, taking a plain vanilla shell and building out a restaurant versus going like, what do you think? 40%, 50%? What, what, what would be the reduction? I would say probably a 50% reduction in cost. That's 40 to 50% wow. reduction in cost. Yeah. Just, I mean, you're going in and you're doing, you know, for our business specifically, you're doing, you know, cosmetic things that don't require any, I mean, you have to keep in mind that it isn't just about getting license and permits. I mean, those things cost money as well. Mm -hmm. So they cost money and time. Um, so yeah, just, it's a huge reduction. Um, yeah. 40 to 50%. Now is that standard practice the way, um, Acai Republic 
does the build out? Is that kind of the typical strategy or is that something that you just developed uh, as your own strategy or, or how did that come about? Now this has become our, our uh, kind of standard for how we open locations. Um, if, if we can, right. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Like if you want to be in a specific market, specific location, sometimes you just can't avoid having to do some uh, additional construction or maybe even a full build out. But you know, if you can, I mean, and there's another reason too, like maybe if you found a, a similar business, uh, for example, mine, um, in Eagle Glen, the first one, it was formerly a, a Jamba juice or juice it up. One of those, mm-hmm. one of those two. Yep. I remember. So you also have a, a built-in customer base, right? Like if that mm. closed recently, yeah. if that closed recently, like maybe less than a year ago or something, maybe like they already had, you know, a decent amount of business and you're opening a similar business. So you already have a built-in customer base where it's, they're going to come back. Maybe they were, lo- they don't know that that location closed and maybe they were coming back looking. Cause I had a ton of those when I opened my first one, there's people come back and he's like, Oh, Hey, wasn't this a Jamba Juice? I was like, they're tr- trying to come into Jamba Juice. <laughs> I know, but you know, it's Acai Public. Why don't you try yeah. a bowl or a smoothie? You know, and so you have a built-in customer uh, base. So yeah, that's what we found now as as a company is that um, that model works. I mean, with reducing your cost, uh, the amount of time that, that it takes to open a location. Um, and also, like I said, there is some, some built-in customers there. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. the... Uh, Archie, Archie had a question in regards to marketing promotion. Yeah. So is that, when is that in the works after, you know, all the, uh, the the building out has done or does it start during the build out? So I like to build bit. build hype and, and start some marketing and promotion uh, during the during the build out. Like uh, in the beginning, maybe this wasn't as important uh, because we only had maybe a couple locations. Uh, but now, you know, we're we're at 20 locations as a company. So now, you know, people know about us, you know, even if they live in Redlands or, you know, Ontario, Pomona, people, people know who we are. You know, we have 20 locations now, uh, especially in the jujitsu community. People know that who we are because we're at all the jujitsu world league tournaments. Mm-hmm. So maybe they've tried us at, at a tournament. I mean, Asai is huge uh, in the jujitsu community. So it's like, you want to build that hype, right? So I start immediately. Like I, I, one of my biggest things for me, as soon as I sign a lease, I'm like, Hey, how quickly can I get my coming soon sign up there? Like I want to get up there ASAP and, and build some hype and start, you know, get some flyers printed, start getting out to the schools, to the local gyms. And just like, you really want to build that hype, uh, to make your grand opening as, as successful as possible. Now, when you organize that, so there's kind of like a call it pre-opening plan and then uh, opening plan from, a, from a marketing standpoint. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the kind of traditional fashions, right? You, put a banner up, you get some flyers, you get out into the community, kind of hand-to-hand combat. Um, is there any other things that you do? I know that just here locally, because I see some of the the posts that you do inside of the uh, various Facebook groups and different things like that. Uh, from a overall strategy, um, you know, what what is the things from a marketing standpoint that you found to be the most effective? So I would say the most effective thing when opening a, I would say a small business, I, I'll relate to that, is you have to be, become a part of the community. Um, like I make it a, a huge thing for me and, and it is a, a priority and focus for me is to go out and know the community. Um, you know, the, the schools, you know, the, the local teams, uh, local city council members, um, uh, people that have influence in the community, um, other, other business members, you know, become a member of the chamber of commerce. So you can start to meet other business members. If I see someone else that's going to have a grand opening like I'll try and I'll try and support them. I'm mm-hmm. all about small business, man. But sure. yeah, you, you really have to, uh, not, not only, like you want to want that to really support the community, but you have to become a, a part of it. So 
you've seen me, man, like mm-hmm. around town. It's funny my wife makes makes fun of me all the time because like we'll be anywhere and like people like know who I am. And it's funny my my other um uh, my friend Mario, he makes fun of me as well. He calls me like uh Mr. Corona or the mayor of Corona. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh but that's when you can tell that you've been successful in becoming a part of your community, man. Like when everyone knows you, when you know you're around and you know, like like I'll go through like the drive thru at Chick-fil-A and they're like, Hey, aren't you the owner of the the, the you know the Osari Public Place? I'm like yeah yeah i am i am uh so yeah you just have to really want to become a part of the community and to help your community support them and they see that like they'll see if you're genuine if you genuinely want to support the community through sponsoring local teams you know maybe helping um host some fundraisers just getting out there man like i'm always you know trying to be out there like i said even at other grand openings for other business i'll try if i can i'll I'll be there i mean we were you saw we were at um the uh, AYSO opening mm-hmm. day yep. this weekend. And maybe if, even if we, it's not a huge uh, financially successful thing for us, we're still out there. We're still in the community. People are seeing us, people see our easy up. Maybe they see us in the, you know, the AYSO social media. We're out there, you know, passing out flyers, but more importantly, we're out there supporting them. That's this group, this organization that, um, that I believe in, that we believe in as a company. So why not go out and support them? Got it. So it's not just about you. It, it, it's really about, the combination, right, of, of both. What could you do to to promote them and support them? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest things. Like when I sit down with people or I go out to like for a business meeting or, you know, I sit down with someone, maybe like you're a business owner that mm-hmm. I've reached out to, reached reach out to is like, like Vince, like how can I help you? Like what can I do to help you? Like right. how, how can I help your, your business be successful? And that's that's a priority for me. Like any anyone that I'm partnering with or that I'm going out to meet, um, that I stumble upon, I'm always trying to see like, like how I can help other people. And, you know, I don't believe in God, I do, but that reciprocates like mm-hmm. in, in business and people see that in you and, and they respect it and, and they see that you're genuine and the universe works in mysterious ways, man. And, and it just, it just comes back. if like, you're truly interested in helping people. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, so where are we at right now? Almost an hour, over an hour. <laughs> Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Man. Um, I know. No, no, no. This is good. Man. No, it's good. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Um, I don't know. Should we hit them with the rapid fire questions now? No, let, let's let's do let's do two things. Um, okay. <laughs> before that, before before the rapid fire questions. So, um, Asai Republic. I know what it is. I'm a consumer. I lo- I love it. But for someone that never heard of Asai Republic, doesn't know what Asai is. How do you how do you describe it? What is what? Tell us about the product. Tell us about your services. What do you what what do you what are you offering to the community? So, Osari Public, uh, honestly, in my mind, like I'm, tr- we're trying to change the uh, misconception about uh, Osari being unhealthy because what makes us unique is well, number one, like a few of the owners, uh, the CEO, the founder, they're the Brazilian. So it's, this is the real deal. I mean, Osari, the berry itself grows only in, in northern uh, Brazil, so. I'll say itself, we make it into this uh, sort of like frozen blend and we put it in a bowl with granola, fresh fruit, honey. Now, recently or last few years, there's been some misconception about like, oh, this is super sugary. It's like more like a dessert. And that is true for some of our competitors. But for us, it was authenticity was really important uh, for the CEO. So we literally import our acai pure, pure direct from Brazil. Mm -hmm. And he went to the extent of, keeping that high quality was so important to him that he actually went to the extent of, uh, he made his own warehouse in, uh, Tustin or Santa Ana 
so that he could continue to control that like as wow. as we grew so we make all of our own blends here locally in tustin and then we distribute to all 20 locations so this is like as as that i know of in southern california and, and the united states like the, the purest uh organic non-gmo i'll say that you can that you can get we mix it with fruit uh there is uh we use guarana to to sweeten it um and that's how they do it in brazil uh but authenticity man like it's our bowls are simple. We don't stack them with like a hundred different toppings. You can if you want, but even if you eat just the acai by itself with nothing, it is so good. It's I, I guarantee you. <laughs> That's awesome. And you guys also do uh, smoothies and a couple other things. Yeah, so we do smoothies. We do uh, fresh pressed juices. We have an assortment of uh, Brazilian pastries in the stores that you can. It's kind of tough to find them anywhere else. Uh, we have coxinhas. Uh, we have empanadas. Uh, we have your traditional empalicacho or, or or cheese bread. Uh, so yeah, we have a, obviously the, the bowls is our main focus. I would say 80% of our people that come to our store are coming for the bowls, but we also have smoothies, juices, and then we have the, the pastries as well. So are the pastries made at the local level at the store or are they made in Santa Ana and shipped to the store? So we have some local uh, suppliers okay. um, that we've partnered with over the years and then they distribute to all, all of the other locations. Got it. Fantastic. That's awesome. All right, I got one more question before Archie hits you with a rapid fire. Um, so, you know, part of our goal of, of BizJitsu is to do a couple things, right? Number one is we want to be able to share stories of entrepreneurs, founders, solopreneurs, uh, commission salespeople, right? Be able to share uh, the products, services, and stories of people in the jiu-jitsu community. I'm a believer that uh, if there's an opportunity for us to support one another, um, we should. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And I think part of that, uh, part of this is, you know, as we hear people's stories, I think that there's going to be a lot of learning, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, through the process of hearing people's stories, it always creates inspiration and ideas to be able to, uh, someone that could be listening to this and say, man, you know what, I've always wanted to take the jump, right? I've held a corporate finance job, and I want to take a jump, right? And hey, I've been thinking about you know, seeking a mentor or whatever the case is. Um, maybe they go out and read, the, you know, Richest Man of Babylon and, or, or take some of these steps. What would be one thing that you would um, share to someone that's looking to take the step of entrepreneurship or small business? What would be the, the, the tip that would come from, from Edgar in regards to um, taking those steps? Um, that's a great question, man. <laughs> It's funny because I had a quote here ready for you that it coincidentally would actually answer that. And it's not, pop, not popping up on my phone because uh, I was listening to a, uh, one of my favorite actually authors is Patrick Bet David. Oh yeah, um, have you uh, oh, yeah. your next five moves? Mm -hmm. Oh uh, yeah, and it's a quote from that book. I'm like, man, that's that's awesome. So I would say my the easiest way to answer that is the surest way to fail is to fail to act. Hmm. So it's like I guess like the Wayne Gretzky call, like you you miss 100 percent of the shots you you don't take, right? So I would say that that would be the answer to that question. Like you'll never know until you try. Like there's so many people that sit on the sidelines for years, you know, saying I, I could, I could do that. Or I think I could do that. And like, you just, you'll never know if you don't, if you don't try, right? Like you got to try. And I posted something on my Instagram the other day. Um, I think on Monday it was like motivation Monday. And when I'm, I was very fortunate that uh, my mentor, Stephen Williams at a young age, he told me, you know, when I was talking about risk or doing these investments or doing, you know, even like opening the acai store, uh, very early on, he told me, he's like, Hey, like, like you're, you're young, like you're young enough to, to fail where you have, you know, unless something happens, right. Uh, you know, plenty of time to, to, sure. to recover. So take, take a risk when, when you're young. Right. And his point was like, 
he told me straight out, like, you're less likely to take that risk to do that when you have three kids in a, in a, in a mortgage, right? You're going to be a lot, you're not going to want to take that big of risk when you've got all that going on. So that's kind of what enabled me like at a young age to be willing to take risks. It's like, man, that's, that's really true. Like, you know, if I, once I get to like a couple kids and, and a mortgage and a wife, I'm probably not going to be that inclined to take a huge risk. So I would say not only the quote that I said, but you know, if, if you're still young, even, even if you're not, um, you know, take that risk, take that jump. You never know until, until you try. That's strong. That is strong. Love I it. like it. Just Man. take, uh, make a move. So much Archie, inspiration. Floor, yeah, I like Man. it. Floor's yours, Archie. Um, yeah, so let's hit you Just some. Uh, I'm scared about the rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> let's hit it with the rapid fire. Let's call it, I guess, oh, I don't man. know, blitz and roll or something related to jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, you ready, Edgar? Yeah, shoot, man. All right. Um, morning person or night owl? I'm a morning person. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Last book you read or movie you watched? Uh, so last book I, I completed reading or I'm actively reading or? Yeah, actively reading. So I'll, re- I'll reread like a lot of books. Um, I don't know, just from time to time. So I'm actually reading uh, Winning right now again. Okay. Uh, I think it's like the second time. Um, Who wrote Winning? So Winning is by... Is that Jack Welsh? Is... No, no, no. It's, it's the guy... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like spaced on his name right now. Uh, just because I was talking about Patrick David earlier. <laughs> it's the guy that was the uh, trainer for uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Tim Grover. Tim Grover. So I'm reading yeah. Winning again. If you've read you know, Relentless, they both great books. And what I like about these books is just mindset, right? Like I, I always like to surround myself and get around people that have like this winning mentality. And that's one of the cool things about that book specifically is you see like the mentality of Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, Tim Grover himself, you know, uh, the late Kobe Bryant and just their mindset towards things, man. And like we talked about mindset earlier. Uh, I always like having that inspiration of people that are hugely successful, whether it's in business or in sports is you'll see that common denominator is like the way that they approach things, their never fail mentality. Uh, so yeah, uh, win, winning is the one that is actually on my nightstand right now. And I'm finishing it up again, I think for the second or third time by uh, Tim Grover. I love it. Cool. I love that mindset. I have another question about mindset later, but um, let's continue. Favorite item on your um, Asahi Republic store menu? Oh, man. That's a good one. So there's so much good stuff and I always bounce uh, back and forth, but I've been on a kick uh, lately. I do the, uh, the real Brazilian acai bowl, which comes topped with uh, granola, banana, and blueberries. And then I get that with peanut butter um, and condensed milk. Oh man, it's life changer. <laughs> All right. uh, best way to unwind after a long day at work. Uh, for me, it's family, man. Like, my biggest motivator for everything that I do, like all the things that we listed earlier is my family. And that's also part of the reason that I want to become an entrepreneur. Cause I, you know, I did the nine to five thing, you know, I was working in, in a retail bank at a branch for, you know, 40 plus hours a week and they're my biggest motivator. So th- that's how they unwind. Like, you know, whether it's during the week or on the, on the weekends, you know, just that focused time with, with my family is just how unwind. like I'll, uh, we talked about, being ultra focused, uh, for me, like the, the family's how I unwind. So when I know it's like, I'm done for the day, like I'll leave my phone in my, in my office 
you know, I'll leave it there. I'll take off my, my, my watch too, because I have a, um, Apple watch and then I'll spend, you know, five to eight, you know, we do the dinner, we do the, the bath time, everything. That's my unwind time for, for, for me is just spending that dedicated time with my family. Um, whether it's, you know, during the week or like just on the weekends where I try and minimize, you know, those distractions that that's how I unwind man with my family. Love it. All right. Last one. If you could be on the mats with any three people living or dead, who would they be? Oh man, that's a tough one. It's actually an emotional one, uh, for us, uh, for me and like a lot of my friends. So man, I, I wish I could be on the mats, uh, with Leandro Lowe, you know, the late Leandro rest in peace. Um, he was, he's a friend of our Academy, my, my good friend and professor Kyle's a good friend of his. Uh, so, you know, I wish we could take back time and, you know, be on the mats with him again. Um, I never got the opportunity to actually roll with him. Um, but he did visit our Academy when I was there and, and, you know, I got to see him in, in person, which was really cool. Um, so him, I would say there's, there's a lot to learn from Gordon Ryan. So I'd, I'd love to be on the mats with him at some point. And, uh, Man, I would say, you know, maybe like Andre Galval, like, you know, he was so successful nice. for such a long time. Um, you know, I, I'd be more than happy, but I would say that like the number one that I would like to just, you know, take back time and be on the mats with him, just maybe, you know, for a short time would be uh, Lander Lowe. Just, you know, the way that he, that he competed and just his life and just the way that he approached jiu-jitsu is just uh, so motivated, man. Like, it's really cool. Love it. Rest in peace. That's awesome. Well, uh, a couple things. So we're hour and some change in. This has been an awesome, awesome learning, uh, awesome time together. Uh, before we jump, you have anything you want to cover, anything you want to shout out, anything you want to promote, your academy, your businesses, anything that uh, uh, you want to share? Um, I would say just the businesses. You know, um, we have 20 locations now for Asa Republic. We're growing rapidly. Um, I know there's a lot of people in the jiu-jitsu uh, community that are probably listening to this or going to listen to it. So uh, we're actually growing as a franchise also as well, very rapidly. So if maybe you've thought about opening, you know, some type of business and are interested in, in franchising with us Republic, that's also an opportunity you can uh, visit on our website. So yeah, just a shout out to us Republic, man. They've, they've been good to me. Uh, I've learned a lot from them. Um, they gave me the opportunity to be their first uh, franchisee. Um, it's a two-way street. Like I've learned a so much from them and the CEO and leadership and, and, uh, vice versa. And we're growing together as a company and, you know, we're at 20 now, hopefully, you know, I think I would say by the end of this year, we'll probably be at 23 or 24 locations. And yeah, if, if you're thinking about taking the jump and maybe you've thought about opening like a juice bar or something like that, like, you know, hit us up. It's on our website, uh, our contact us form. Uh, if you're interested in becoming a franchisee. Awesome. And then your two two current locations are in Corona, California. One is, what is that, Ontario and Maine. The other one is the 15 and Cajalco? Cajalco. Yeah, so I have two locations in, currently open in Corona, California. One is, uh, I guess, in the Eagle Glen area, right off of the 15 in Cajalco, um, on the other side of the freeway from the crossings. And then I have one more centrally located a couple of minutes from here um, mm -hmm. on Maine and Ontario uh, here in Corona as well. That uh, 
that one off of the 15 is going to blow up now with Bedford Canyon, um, all the business that they're building there across the street. I mean, there's gonna be some awesome co-tenants, a lot of, a lot of traffic that's, that's happening. There. Yeah. Yeah. The areas continued to, uh, develop, which gave us some struggles initially with all the traffic and stuff like that. But I, you know, we're in it for the, for the long-term game, you know, we're not planning on being there two or three years. And I think long-term it's going to be a good, great location for us. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations on all your success. How does somebody, how does someone find you? Someone wanted to get a mortgage or someone wanted to just chat with you. How does somebody get a hold of you? Uh, so I would say, um, I'm always very receptive to people reaching out to me. So you could, um, hit me up on Instagram, uh, the real Edgar Frias, um, Archie knows I keep it very real on that, on there. <laughs> um, or you could just email me, uh, Edgar at OsseyRepublic.com. Um, my link tree, uh, links for everything else that I do is on my Instagram as well. So I would say Instagram is probably the best way to, to contact me. Or if you're interested in anything that I talked about, uh, just check out my Instagram. Well, awesome. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Excited to uh, get this thing uh, published and share this out with the jiu-jitsu community. Um, again, everybody that has been uh, listening, we appreciate you listening. This is the Biz Jitsu Podcast brought to you by Union Staffing Group. Uh, I'm here with Archie, Dr. Archie, soon to be uh, opening his chiropractic office. Yes, let's go, Archie. Let's <laughs> no, go, let's no, go. no pressure, Archie. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, again, thank you all for uh, for joining us. And again, we'll see you soon on the Biz Jitsu Podcast. See you guys. See ya. Thank you. See you guys.